We're in a series called The Key to Everything. The reason I titled the series The Key to Everything is, again, I told you last week, because Jack Hayford wrote a book called The Key to Everything. And I told Pastor Jack I can't improve on that. And if you haven't got a copy of the book, you might want to get a copy. We may run out. If we do, we will try to get some more. We're checking on, on that. I think last weekend we came close to running out. I think we've um, bought about every book the publisher had. So we'll do what we can to continue to get it for you. Um, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had this experience? Have you ever had a key made and when you got out to your car or you got home and you put it in the lock, it didn't work? Anybody here ever had that happen? All of us have. The reason it didn't work is because one of the teeth on the key was it ground down properly. We're talking about the key to everything and in Luke 6, Jesus gives us the four teeth on the key. And what I want to share with you is that I've had a lot of people say, well, Pastor Robert, I started giving or I started tithing and uh, I didn't see any difference. Well, there are four teeth on this key. And Jesus makes it very, very clear. And here's what I'm telling you. Three of the teeth you could have in place. They could be ground correctly. But there could be one tooth on your key that you are not allowing the Holy Spirit to grind down and your key will never work. So that's what we're going to talk about. The title of the message today is Be For Giving. Be For Giving. Notice the four refers to the four teeth. But let me ask you something. Does the four go with the B? In other words, am I saying before giving before you can give, you've got to do this. Or does the four go with the giving? Am I saying be forgiving? In other words, forgive people, be forgiving. Which one do you think it is? That's right, both. <laughs> you know me. So, all right. Luke chapter 6, look at verse 37. Here are the four keys. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. There's three of them right there. Give, and it will be given to you. Now he's going to tell us how. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Let me say that last phrase another way. With the same key that you use. The same way that you do these four things, it's going to come back to you in the very same way. So he forever, with this passage, listen to this carefully, he forever makes giving not just a money matter. Jesus, by putting verse 37 and verse 38 together, he forever links giving with living. You can't separate them. You can't say, well, I'm giving in the offering, so everything ought to be going great in my life if you're not, uh, if, you're, if you're neglecting these other areas, judging, condemning, forgiving. He forever links them. See, this is the problem that the Pharisees had, by the way. This is the exact problem they had. You know, the Pharisees tithed, but they didn't do the other thing. It wasn't from their heart. Let me read you this scripture. Matthew 23, verse 23 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Now remember, justice, mercy, and faith, because we won't talk about those in a minute. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Well, there's a couple of things about this scripture. First of all, this is a New Testament words of Jesus proof text that we should tithe. Because he said, you tithe even of all of your little spices, but you're neglecting justice, mercy, and faith. But then listen to what Jesus said. These you ought to have done. You ought to tithe, just don't neglect the others. Now, notice Jesus didn't say, you don't have to do that anymore because this is the New Testament. Or you shouldn't do that anymore. By the way, he didn't say that you have to. He said you ought to. And to me, if you ought to, if Jesus said you ought to, that ought to be enough. Would you agree with that? Okay. So Jesus said, you ought to do that, but don't leave this undone. Okay. Here's what he was saying though. You're giving, but you're not living. You're, you're doing this one tooth of the key to everything, but these other three you're neglecting. Notice what he said, by the way, justice, mercy, and faith. Do you remember the three he said in Luke six thirty-seven? Judge not, that's justice. Condemn not, that's mercy. Forgive, that's faith. Takes faith to forgive. See, it's amazing that Jesus says, okay, let me give you the four teeth on the key. And every one of these have to be ground to a certain degree by the Holy Spirit or your key's not going to operate. So let's look at the, the four teeth, all right? Number one, judge not. Judge not. He begins with this commandment, judge not. Now remember again, these Pharisees were giving in the plate but not doing these things. Let me kind of talk about what that is for a moment. I think that is a, I gave at the office attitude. I think there's a lot of people that give a little bit at church and it is a legalistic, ritualistic, minimalistic activity in their life. And as long as I put a little in the plate, I don't have to worry about how I'm treating my wife. As long as I put a little in the plate, I don't have to adjust this attitude that I have. It's not true. Because Jesus says, there's four. Judge not. Don't be judging. Now, let me tell you what uh, a judgment really is. Let me just tell you what it really is. And all of these, I'm going to give you very simple definitions, all right? It's a critical thought or word. A critical thought or word. In other words, you can make a judgment and not even express it. But we express a lot of judgments. We are a judgmental society. We judge people we don't even know. All the time. I mean, that's what we talk about in conversation. We talk about uh, so-and-so did this. So-and-so, the other night at the Hall of Fame, NBA, Michael Jordan's inducted. The next day, it's just filled the internet with comments on his speech. And I'll just be honest with you, judgmental. Just judgmental, you know? It's amazing to me. I was talking to this guy one time. He told me something that some famous person did. Obviously, he'd never met and doesn't know the person. But he said, did you know he did this? And I said to him, how do you know that? Here was his answer. I read it. So I said, yeah, but how do you know it's true? Here was his answer. It was on the internet. Please tell me. 
Now, I'm going to go ahead and say it. All right, I know you're going to get some emails of this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. Please tell me you're not that stupid. <laughs> that you believe everything you read. But here's the whole point. Even if they say it, why make a judgment on someone you don't even know? Why be critical? Why be judgmental? Here's what happens when we judge. Listen to what the Bible says when we judge. Romans 2 verse 1. Therefore, you are inexcusable. Now, I want you to look at the you like this talking to you because this is the Bible. You are inexcusable, oh man, whoever you are. Doesn't matter who you are. Whoever you are who judge. Now watch. For in whatever you judge another, you condemn yourself. Here's what Jesus said. Judge not and you will not be judged. Every one of these imperatives, these are all imperatives. They're all commands. They're all in the imperative form in the Greek. All of them though, they're commands, but they all have a promise with them. He gives a command and then he says, and there's a reward. If you won't judge, then you won't be judged. Okay, now listen to me very carefully. Take the not out of the sentence. In other words, if you judge, you will be judged. We just read, we just read Romans 2. It says, if you judge, you condemn yourself. In other words, you bring a judgment on yourself. When you judge others, you bring a judgment on yourself. Why would you want to bring a judgment on yourself? Romans 14, verse 4. Who are you to judge another's servant? In other words, your, your brothers and sisters, other people, they're not your servants. God's saying they're my servants. Who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. Verse 10 of chapter 14. Why do you judge your brother? Or why do you show contempt for your brother? Have you ever, those of you that have children, um, have you ever had to correct your children for correcting his or her brother or sister? Yeah, you ever had, you ever, have you ever had to say, I'm the parent, I'll take care of him. You just stay out of it. Yeah, have you anyone ever? Okay, I'm wondering if God is up there in heaven saying to us, I'm the parent. I'll take care of your brothers and sisters. You can let me do it. I can, I can handle it. James 5, 9 says, do not grumble. This is be critical is what this word means. Do not be critical against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. See, we open ourselves up to condemnation. Now watch this statement. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. That's scary to me. The next time you start to make a judgment, I want you to look over your shoulder and see the judge standing there watching you. Don't, listen to me very carefully. Given the offering, but if you're a judgmental person, your key is not going to work. It's not going to work. And many of us, just have developed a habit of being judgmental, critical people. We judge other churches. Someone said to me just recently, Pastor Robert, we're so glad we came to Gateway. Trying to just be nice. We're so glad we came to Gateway. And here's what he said. You do it right. He said, the church where I was, they don't do it right. I thought, who are you? to say that. And why even do that? Do you understand other churches? We're not against them. We're on the same team. <laughs> we're, we're, does everyone get that? We're on the same team. Every time you drive by another church, you ought to say, Lord, bless them. Help them to win thousands of people to Jesus. We're all on the same team here. We're part of the kingdom. So we got to deal with this judgmental attitude. Here's number two, condemn not. Condemn not. Now, these first two, I, I like the way they uh, phrase because 
It's judge not, condemn not. Um, I don't know if any of you remember a few years ago, it seemed like the younger generation got in this little habit of using the word not. Any of you remember this? Well, I remember my kids, my, they were younger then, and uh, I remember my boy said to me, hey dad, you want some cookies? Not. <laughs> so I thought, hey, dude can play at that game. I said, hey, you want, you want $10? Not. <laughs> well, I just want you to know that that wasn't invented a few years ago. Jesus invented the not. <laughs> As Jesus said, hey, guys, judge, not. Condemn not. Condemn not. What does it mean to condemn? Here's what it actually means. To sentence a person. To bring a sentence on a person. Now let me tell you how this is worse than judgment. Judgment is to have a thought, a critical thought or word. In other words, just to criticize them. Condemning, let me put it where we, in, a, in a better phrase, it's when we hope something bad happens to them. It's where we hope that they suffer consequences for what they've done. That's what a condemnation is. Uh, you ever, have you ever thought this? I hope, so. I hope he gets what's coming to him. I hope he gets what's coming to him. Okay, let me just ask you a question. Are you gonna get what's coming to you? Yeah, but I didn't do what he did. Okay, what did you do? I'd like to know. Do you wanna get up and tell everybody what you did? I mean, you've done some pretty bad things too. Here's the point. We deserve eternal damnation. Every one of us. And we're not going to get what we deserve. Why would we wish that someone else gets what he deserves? Why don't we wish upon them the same thing we got, grace? Why don't we, next time we have a judgmental or critical or condemning thought, say, Lord, I hope he gets what I got. Hope he gets forgiven. I hope he gets a change of God in his life, change of heart. Pastor Jack, in the book, The Key to Everything, that I've asked you to read if you can, he shared this story, and I thought, man, I had a very similar thing happen to me. So I thought, you know, I probably, I probably ought to tell him what happened to me, tell him myself instead of Pastor Jack. Um, a few years ago, we were living in another home, and every day for about a week, I would walk out, there would be an empty beer bottle in my yard. Every day. I, I don't know if the guy just kind of finished it at the same time every day. <laughs> <laughs> Stopped by the store and my house is exactly the distance from the store it takes him to Google. I don't, I don't know, you know, so, but, and I don't know if he was like mad at me because I was a pastor, you know, trying to make a statement. I don't know. But every day I had to go out and pick up an empty beer bottle for about a week. And after a few days, uh, I, I, I had passed judgment. I had gotten to condemning because I was thinking, I, I hope something bad happens to this guy. And, I, and I, I had several things. I thought, you know, I hope he gets a DWI. Or I hope he backs over his mailbox. I, I thought these things would, you know, help him to bring him to Jesus. That's what I was thinking. All right, so, <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, I hope something bad happens to this guy. So I just hope he, you know, I'm doing that. And I picked, and as soon as I touched the beer bottle, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Some of you are saying, it happened to me. Oh, let's not go down that road. All right, so anyway. <laughs> so I picked it up, and the Holy Spirit said to me, do you care about this guy? And before I could answer, he said, because I do. I care about the guy that's doing this. And I remember I was standing there and I was so convicted. I was just so convicted. And then all of a sudden, it, the, I kind of snapped out of it because a car drove by and I realized I was standing in my front yard with a, <laughs> a, a beer bottle. 
By the way, if you were that person that day, um, this is the story behind it, all right. Judge not, condemn not. Here's number three, forgive. Forgive. Now, let me give you a practical definition of the word forgive. It's real simple. I, I'm hoping you can remember these, all right? A, a judgment is just criticism. It's all this. Condemning is wishing something bad happens to the person. Forgive is release. That's, that's what the word means, release. That, that's, that's, that's all it really, I mean, we could go into other things, but it just means released. You've been released from the penalty of your sin. You've been released. So you have to release others. You can't just say, I forgive them. You have to release them. Matthew 6, verse uh, 14. Now, let me, before we read this, this, these are the two verses that follow the Lord's Prayer. Okay, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, heart in heaven, hallowed be your name. Okay, these are the two verses immediately after those. Matthew 6, 14. For if you forgive, now remember, let's put the word release. If you release men of their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also release you. But if you do not release men their trespasses, neither will your father release your trespasses. Now, what's amazing to me is we believe what Jesus said in the Lord's Prayer, but all of a sudden, we don't believe this. Again, please understand, we're not talking about your salvation here. Because salvation is not something we can earn. It's not a works. We're, you're saved by grace. We're talking about, though, being held in bondage, even as a believer. Because you as a believer have been forgiven, but you won't forgive someone else. You won't release. So therefore, you go back into bondage. You're, you're not released either. You, you don't experience the abundance of the release that God gave you. Um, Jesus tells a story in Matthew 18 about a guy that has been released from $52 million of debt. If you use the currency that he used, it would be $52 million. And he goes out and finds someone who owes him $44. Now, when you think about that, he's been released from 52 million. He finds someone who owes him 44. And this is what he says, Matthew 18, verse 34. And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers, the torturers, until he should pay all that was due to him. Now, verse 35, you've got to see this one. Watch this. This is Jesus talking. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart, I wish he hadn't put those three words in personally, does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Now, I want you to notice what your Bible says. Jesus said, Jesus, Jesus, the Son of God, the incarnate Word of God, here's what he says. My heavenly Father will do this to you. What will he do? Deliver you to the torturers. Right, we just read that. We just read it. So he delivered him to the torturers. So will my heavenly father do to each of you if you don't forgive. If you don't release, you're going to be turned over to tormentors. Torturers. The old King James says tormentors. Now, what do you think that represents? <laughs> it represents demonic spirits. And there's some people say, oh, I don't believe in demons anymore. I, I, okay, okay, all right. I'm not going to try to convince you of that. Do you still want to be turned over to torturers? Whatever torturers represents, it's not good. <laughs> Turned over, delivered. There are a whole lot of believers today who've experienced salvation, experienced God's grace, but they've got one person they will not forgive, they will not release, and they are tormented and tortured every day of their lives. 
because of it. I, I personally, by God's grace, have never been in trouble financially. I've paid my debts, lived below my means. Now, let me say something. I know some, many of you have, have experienced that. I've done worse things, okay? I've, done, I've fallen in other areas. But in that area, uh, I've made mistakes financially, but I've never been hounded by bill collectors. And uh, this, I heard that this guy, and he, he just, he was talking about it. He said, you know, I got behind us, credit cards and all that stuff. And he said, you know, every night, they call me. Every day they call, and, and they send me letters. And he's talking about how he was hounded, you know. And he said, and the, you know, the guy that called, his name was Bill. He said, we got to be good friends. You know, he'd call every night about seven, and, you know, so. And, uh, hey, Bill, how you doing? I'd say, you know. And he would try to put pressure on me. He, he said, one night he said to me, you know, I mean, you hadn't paid anything. Can you? And then he said to me, can you borrow the money? And so he said to him, well, I did, and I think we both know how that turned out. <laughs> but he was just hounded constantly. Yeah, I mean, some of you, I'm sure, can relate to that. Okay, here's what I'm telling you. Why do you want to be hounded, tortured, tormented constantly? Because you won't forgive. Now, listen to me very carefully. Before you leave, now you put something in the offering basket, or in the bucket back there, the container, whatever we call those things back there. Put something in the offering but I'm just telling you, if you got one of these keys, and if it's forgiveness, one of these teeth, I'm telling you, your key's not going to work. How many preachers will tell you that? That's how you do it. Now, y'all give, y'all give, y'all give, y'all give. I'm telling you that you cannot separate giving from living. And that's what Jesus said. The fourth key is obviously verse 38, give. Give. Here's the problem with the way... Uh, it's preached a lot of times. I don't like the way it's preached. Normally, this verse is used right before the offering, and, um, and, and it's like God's trying to make a deal with us. Have you ever heard preaching like that? It's like God is up there, you know, in heaven, and right before the offering, God says, Psst, hey, buddy, Psst, come here. Hey, I want to make a deal with you today. See, uh, uh, if you give today in the offering, I'll, I'll give you more back. How's that grab you? I mean, it's, that's, that's the way this is preached. It's like God is, is trying to motivate us to give an offering by getting more money. Hey, if you give, I'll give you more money. Hey, how about that? Is that a deal? Do we have a deal? That's not what Jesus is saying. And verse 37 is the proof text of that. Here's what he's saying. If you will let me change your heart, if you'll stop judging people, condemning people, if you'll forgive then, and if you'll give with the right heart, then there's a reward for giving. Remember, all of these statements have a reward. If you don't judge, you won't bring a judgment on yourself. If you'll stop condemning, you'll stop being condemned. If you'll release people, you'll be released from this torment and torture. And if you'll give, it'll be given to you. That's what he's trying to say. He's simply, these are facts of life. That's what he's telling us. Here's a fact, if you live this way, then you can live free from judgment, condemnation, torment, and torture, and you can live in abundance. And this is abundance. This is, there's no doubt he's talking about abundance here. And he says it will be put in your bosom. You know, you know what that refers to? Everyone thinks, well, what is it? Bosom. What's, how's he going to put money in my bosom? You know, what does that mean? Okay, what that means is that everybody wore a robe back then, a great big robe. And it was like, the best way to describe it would be like a bathrobe today. I actually thought about wearing a bathrobe today. <laughs> but I decided I did not want that image in your mind. So, um, but think about, and I'm going to button this bottom button. Think about a great big robe with a belt 
and this, this big overlapping, bigger than my coat, all right? Here's what it's, it's referring to, that when people would carry a load that was bigger than what they could carry, they would take their, the robe and they would fill it up and, and then they could walk home with this huge load in their bosom. All right, that's what that's referring to, okay? There's a picture of this in, in the book of Ruth where Boaz is confirming that he, he's pursuing Ruth, that he has done the legal things now to pursue her as a wife. And he says, wait, 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 before you go, before you go, he commands his men and he says, bring her, give her six ephahs of grain. Now six ephahs, and it says she put it in her shawl. She, the, the, she wrapped around her, her shawl and carried it home. Six ephahs is 70 pounds. Now, of course, to me, it's kind of been humorous because I thought, you know, how far did she have to carry this home? I mean, I'm wondering if she thought, you know, if you really love me, you could have, you know, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> But that's the picture. If you'll give, I'll give you so much more back. And every person here, every person here that's a giver and has allowed God with the, to adjust your heart in areas, you can testify to that. You can say, God has blessed me abundantly. But if you can't say that, is it possible that there's another area of your life that the Holy Spirit is trying to grind? And he's trying to speak to you about it today. One more verse, Matthew 10, 8 says, Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. Okay, the Holy Spirit wants us to freely give forgiveness. He wants us to freely give our finances. He wants us to do it freely. Not out of a legalistic, ritualistic requirement. He wants us to freely give. Here's the problem. That verse tells us why some people don't freely give. It's very, very simple because they don't feel like they have freely received. It's amazing to me that we just finished a series on grace, because listen to me carefully. If you don't understand grace, you won't understand giving. If you don't understand grace, you won't understand forgiveness. You won't understand it. Let me say it another way. If you feel in any way at all that you have to earn your forgiveness from God, you'll make others earn your forgiveness from you. But if you know that you got everything you have, you got freely from God, then you'll freely give.